Western Conference Podcast, brought to you by Dos Cotas Tequila, our brand new sponsor here at the Western Conference Podcast. And in the building, I have the president of Ineffable Records in the room, Mr. Adam Gross. How we doing, brother? All good, man. How you doing? And when I say president, I'm talking about of the independent, vertically integrated modern music company. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, see, you got to say it right. You can't just say indie, indie label, right? Right, right. We're more than just a label. Yeah. Um, I'm the president of our label division. Got it. But we also have a live division and a management division. So we have a record label where yeah. we're working with artists, we're working the actual release of the music. Got it. Um, then we have management where you're overseeing all aspects of someone's career. So yeah. music, merchandise, live, everything. And then we have the live arm. So we have festivals that we yeah. have ownership in. And we have, with Cali Roots and right? yeah, Levitate as uh, well. Levitate. And yeah. then we have a bunch of venues uh, that we have ownership yeah. in as well. So we have 10 venues that we own or operate. Um, so, you know, it's there's three different main parts of the yeah. company. I oversee our label. My partners oversee some of the other stuff. And we all work together to build everything together. Like, this is like an old-fashioned record label. Like, it, it has the arms to it. And it's like when you talk about indie label, there's we're going to get into this. What's the difference in your quick... You know, saying between indie and major. A major label means that it's either Universal, Sony, yeah. or Warner. Got it. So, like, at a very basic level, it's there's three of them, and then there's a lot of subsidiaries and companies that fall below those. Um, and then from there, there's, you know, all sorts of uh, main differences. Yeah. Uh, I think, as you mentioned uh, before this, like, a lot of shit that I've been talking about a lot yeah. recently. Um, you know, I think the majors have a different focus generally than indies. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's more of a kind of venture capital model as yeah. in you're throwing money into a bunch of different things and most of them aren't going to work yeah. and maybe one of them works and then you win. So then all the other things that you're putting money into kind of just get left by the side if they're not popping in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Or wait, wait, Adam, see, 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 wait, wait, you got to slow it down because I do definitely want artists and people that are coming up that are in the music industry yeah. to really take hold and take grasp to what this uh, podcast is today because i've seen you on your your instagram follow me at adam g or as adam dot g <laughs> and, and 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 i will put it up on the bottom but you've been going in because a lot of people that's been hitting me in the in music industry is like man adam has a lot to say which is a good thing that you're just trying to use this platform to kind of get it out there which goes to my next question how does social media kind of like change the whole game between being an indie label and major now? Yeah, I think the reality is that there are certain principles of audience growth that anybody can learn on every single platform. Yeah. And it's not just social media, right? It's also understanding how to utilize email addresses of your fans or phone numbers of your fans, yeah. right? Because ultimately, each social media platform has its time of peak engagement. Also, I'm talking, you, you said beforehand, yes. you're gonna, I'm going to tie your hands up, you can't speak. We were going to tie Adam, Igor told me to tie his hands up, but <laughs> it's fine. My hands are already moving over here. <laughs> it's so a podcast, so I like it. That means that I'm saying something. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so, you know, there's these certain principles of audience growth across all platforms. Yeah. And you can't be relying on just one platform because you never know if it's going to be banned by the government. Yeah, if you're tomorrow. just like focusing on just your Instagram following and not the other, you know, TikTok and everything else, right. you're kind of doing yourself a disservice at that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. same with streaming, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Pandora, Amazon, Tidal, you know, every single one yeah. of them, right? So, you know, this, this concept is that every single platform speaks its own language and every artist can learn those principles of audience growth yeah. through the internet. Like yeah. the answers are just all on the internet. And what I'm trying to get out there is that it's like, you don't necessarily need us, Yeah. right? It would be great if we worked together, but we can't work with everybody. Yeah. But everybody can learn these tools. Yeah, the tools are out there. So they're not yeah. reliant on some outside yeah. force. Or people just think, oh, if I get this one hit, everything's going to change. But a lot of <sighs> people get that one hit, 
And then no one hears from them yeah. again. And they didn't do what they needed to do to make those people a part of their actual Then they're known fans. as the one hit one. Right. And then you don't want to be that guy or, no. or group. No. But tell us how you even got started in this music industry. I mean, you know, you growing up in the Bay Area, I seen that, you know, it all started in Oakland um, at, the, at the studio where Green Day, kind of, when you talk about indie, you don't get more indie than that. But tell us how you came about in the music business. So I actually grew up in New York City. Okay. New York uh, City. I'm a New York kid. Yeah. That's why I talk like how I talk. My hands, they, you know, so see, saying, the hands you know, make sense more, now. I'm new, yeah. So, you know, I've gotten, you know, I've been in the Bay for almost five years, four yeah. and a half years. Got so it. I got some, you know, Bay in me, yeah. but, you know, I'm a New York kid originally. Got it. Um, so the company was started before my time. Yeah. Um, I was probably like 11 or something. <laughs> See? Uh, so Thomas and Igor, yeah. uh, my partners, are the two co-founders. And shout um, out Igor, shout out Thomas, man. Yep. family right there. Um, and they were roommates in college together. Yeah. And they started throwing some shows, throwing some parties. They had a friend who wanted to like book some shows um, who's an artist. Yeah. And they were like, oh, how hard could that be? And then, you know, Thomas was like, well actually pretty hard pretty hard yeah <laughs> so, exactly so they started promoting shows thomas became the you know assistant to the talent buyer at the catalyst in yeah. santa cruz santa cruz yeah um so over time built these different things so eventually becomes the talent buyer for the catalyst and even before that you know collie buds came yeah. around collie buds came around uh, see, right? I, see not, I see what you did there i see what you did there adam you know, i did that yeah. so you know collie buds um came around yeah. and um that was the first ineffable client yeah and Shout out Kali Buds, man. Yeah. That's fam right there. Absolutely. Huge artist. Huge artist. Yeah. One of the best guys yeah. like you'll deal with. And, you know, artists are not always the easiest to deal yeah. with in general. Man. Um, I'm not naming any names, so nobody, you know. He just me gave me a say, list oh, under the desk. About you or no. um, but, you know, so, so Kali was originally a major label artist. Yeah. So he was a Sony artist. And that first self-titled album with Come Around and Blind to You and Mama See Yeah, all the hits. Tomorrow's Another Day, a bunch of big records yeah. um, were on that record. Um, so Kali was kind of fresh off of no longer being a major label artist. And Thomas and Ego were like, well, we're going to put forward this new model for you. Um, we're going to go out and play shows. So they booked him 27 shows in 30 days. Oh, wow. And just started calling different promoters. Yeah. They didn't necessarily, they were like, I don't know, 22, 23. Just 20, cold calling, trying cold to see what they can get them a show at. Yeah. yeah. So got him all these shows um, and then said, well, we're going to start putting your music on MySpace. Yeah. We're going to start putting your music out there for free. We're going to start selling merch. So we're going to bring all of these things yeah. together so that you can plant your seeds and water them over time and build your own garden. Yes. Um, Look at that metaphor. Come on, you just coming <laughs> with it today. I, I see you, Adam. You got all these metaphors coming out the way. But, but so, you know, it was like, that's how it all started was yeah. with kind of Colibuzz. And so from there, the management division grew and the live division grew Yeah. for a, a long period of time. Um, I came around in 2018. Got it. Um, the first, how that came about was basically I was bugging the shit out of Thomas yeah. um, on email. And I was just in college at the time. And, you know, I was like, I have these ideas and different ways I think we could do things. And I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. And kind of kept going back and forth. And, you know. Now, was that a cold email to yeah, Thomas cold email, as well? Okay. Cold email. Didn't yeah. have any, anything. Um, and there was like random different like entrepreneurial music things yeah. that I had been doing in college. So I was like, oh, I did this. And I would, you know, pitch him a couple different things. Got to show the credibility. Yeah. yeah. Like I wasn't just like. Hey, I'd love to work in the music. Yeah, business. exactly. I love music, and music you wanted to show them that you was credible of what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so eventually, I was like, "All right, well, we have this song coming out, Stick Figure, featuring Slightly Stupid. It's yeah. called World on Fire.' Man, it's coming out in June. 
which was going to be like a couple weeks before I graduated. Yeah. Um, he's like, if you can do everything that you say you can do yeah. um, for this song, then we'll create this, you know, new kind of division overseeing yeah. kind of label services for a management client. So he kind of wanted to pull your card and say, okay, let's see. Let's try it out. Yeah. What, what you could do with and this song. And that's the music business is like, yeah. like you have to prove your value. Yeah. And if you can prove your value in the music business, then the sky is the limit. Right? Say it again, Adam. Say going, it again. Prove right? it. Prove your value, yeah. and then the sky is the limit. Now, because you know that that that's the thing is like, the music business is super entrepreneurial. Yeah. Like things are changing at all times. Especially now, yeah. Especially now, mm -hmm. like the way that you consume music in March of 2023, and the way that you discover music, and the best way to spend marketing dollars, and the best way to A and R, and all these things is going to be different in like three months. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like, like it's constantly changing. Constantly yeah. changing. Constantly changing every day. So. Yeah. You know, it's that's that's you know the way that it works. But anyway, back to that, that situation. So, the "World on Fire" song came out, um, which was a really lucky first song for me to get to work. I was on. about to say, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty easy at that point. Yeah, I mean, but, but for for a fan of the music, like, if you did not get a song that was as easy, yeah, it's on you to kind of say, I can still try to still do what I could yeah. do with it. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, the second song was "Kali Bud's Love and Reggae." Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so, but another classic. Another classic. Yeah. Um, but you know, basically from there. I just rolled my sleeves up and, you know, obviously had a lot of, you know, resources and things already yeah. that existed from Thomas and Igor and Matt and everyone else that yeah. was there. But um, I was like, all right, let me just go out and try to create new relationships, try to figure out what's working, what's not working um, with streaming and yeah. just kind of figure that all out and make that an in-house thing that we could do. Yes. And then from that process, we realized we could launch the label arm of the company, which has now existed for, I guess, four years almost. Yeah. Um, and then we've built built that um, pretty quickly um, over the past years as well. And what did you do to show and prove yourself to, with the single? Like, what, what what was about the single that you said, okay, I got to do these steps to try to make sure people are kind of hearing this song? It was, you know, anything from, you know, it's, it's interesting because even 2018 is different than 2023, yeah. oh, right? So, like, you know, I was getting blog stories and um, stuff like that, and then I was you know, going over and figuring out if there was any like radio stuff. And then I was going and figuring out any Spotify playlist yeah. thing. And that started with like listener playlists. So like you or I can have a playlist yeah. and people can follow it. And then that can gain. So I was like trying to find all these listeners who had those playlists. And then, um, you know, same thing on the other DSPs, trying to build those relationships. Yeah. And, you know, one of the ultimate things we wanted to do was to get on a Spotify editorial playlist. Because um, at that time, there hadn't been a stick figure song yeah. on a Spotify editorial playlist. So That's crazy, too. It was like, you know, it was, well, this whole scene, I mean, we've, we've you know, it's been, a, it's been something we've had to fight to get understood. Yeah. You know, because on the live side, people understand it because the numbers are there. So yeah. you pull up the Polestar, you know, data, which is like the um, platform that shows yep. you know, ticket sales and stuff. And you can see, like, oh, okay, wow, well, Stick Figure sold, you know, sells at Red Rocks in 24 hours. Geographically, you know, you yeah, exactly. The, um, so you know a lot of these bands are selling tickets, but then you have to make the case, which is what, you know, has been a huge focus of mine is, you know, proving, like, all right, well, this is existing crazily like this at the live side, so yeah. digitally let's, let's get it supported, too, on all the different platforms, you know, so they understood that there's a market for it. Because people don't necessarily just support it because, like, out of the goodness of people's hearts. Although yeah. there are fighters and people who support the music, different platforms. You really have to make the case that like, this is something that you're missing yeah. and that you should support more of. So that was a big, a big part of that. And, you know, eventually that song, you know, did get on, you know, Spotify editorial yeah. playlist. Um, 
and just kind of built those relationships from there. But even even getting that first playlist was like a crazy process that involved sending tweets out and fans replying to those tweets and loading up people's mentions and sending. See, and I like how right when you time, say sending like, tweets, like because there's so many elements to it. Oh yeah, there's so many things. Like if you miss one avenue, that that might have been the avenue that would have got you there. Yep. And, and I, Sorry, go ahead. No, and I think a lot of these artists, they miss that because they're thinking they're doing something in one platform when they're missing all these other avenues that they're not getting. And I talk to a lot of younger artists that always ask me, how do I get my music played? How do I? I said, dude, there's so much to it. That's why when I was talking to you on Instagram, I was like, bro, we got to get this information yeah. on a podcast because I think a lot of artists are missing these aspects of it. I like to think about like a baseball analogy. Like, so one is like when you go up to the, like you want to have as many at bats as possible. Yeah. And each time you go up to the plate, like you want to have a chance to hit a home run. But if you don't hit a home run and all you're doing is trying to hit a home run, then you're probably going to keep striking out every Come time, on. right? So you want to be trying to hit, get a single, get a yeah. double, get a triple. If you keep having that consistency with that swing, eventually you'll hit a home run, right? So Or just those at-bats. Or just those at-bats. Yeah. Or you'll get a walk or mm -hmm. whatever, right? So my thing is you take those at-bats and then you do what you can to improve your odds, so yeah. your batting average, your on-base percentage. Like, what are you doing every single thing possible? So for a baseball player, that's, you know, strength and endurance. That's studying the analytics. Yeah. That's the feel of it. That's, you know, all, you know, taking the lessons from the right people. Like, there's all these different things. Yeah. It's not just one thing. And so I think for a release of music, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, one is, you know, are you um, learning how to build the audience on every single yeah. platform? Are you spending hundreds of hours on a song and then you're spending 30 minutes on the marketing of it? Are you yeah. spending thousands of hours on the song and then releasing it the next day? And that goes you know, back to like, the artist. Like, do, do you think, feel like a lot of that has to fall back on the artist or the artist and his team? Because I think artists, everyone out there can be an artist. But in order to do these things, you kind of got to have a team behind you. And that's what we've talked about, having a good team. You get further with a team because he can just focus on what he's good at. And then everybody kind of has their strengths to kind of say, okay, you focus to see what we can do to get into this market and that market. Is it, what's the importance of that? In yeah. this game. I mean, look, the team is super important, um, but I will say, like, at the end of the day, the yeah. artist is a small business owner, and they're the CEO of their business, and they're the owner of their business. And they're going to go as far as that they, they push their no business. No one's going to care more yeah. than them. So, you know, the reality is, like, most managers get fired. Yeah. So, like, so, so almost... But tell us about this. Elaborate on that. Because I think, why do you think the managers get fired? Because their vision is not the same as the artist's? Or the push isn't the same as the artist? That's a good question. I think there's a number of reasons. I mean, yeah. obviously, some managers get fired who don't deserve to get fired, yeah. of course. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, it's on one end, yeah, it's, it's an easy person to blame when things aren't going well. Yeah. Blame um, the manager. Blame the manager. It's oh, an easy okay. person to blame. Yeah, exactly. That's the easy out. Easy. Yeah. Um, you know, two, it's like you could be an artist for like 20, 30 years. Like your brain is changing. You, who you are is changing, you know? And you as an artist, like if you're an older artist, you have to adapt to the times. And we're talking about this because it's changing constantly, daily, almost yeah. minutes by the minutes where these older artists, their mindsets, I see, you know, just personally, that they're kind, they have to adapt and they don't like the adaptation part mm -hmm. of it. They don't want to say, oh, I got to do all that just to get my music heard. It's like, unfortunately, yeah, because in this market, you have to do all these little things to get what you want done, right? For sure. And yeah. I think, and I think, yeah, I think, you know, that's the interesting thing, because if you're a manager and you're a good manager, you're thinking about long-term vision, yeah. the longevity. Every decision you make should be weighing the two, right? Everyone needs to make money. The artists need to make yeah. money today, but oftentimes what makes you the most money today might not be the thing that helps make you the most money in three, 10, Come 20 on. years, yeah. right? Like building assets for yourself. Yes. 
and not having to play 150 shows when you're 60 years old. Yeah. You know, like you want to be in a position where you play shows out of love at a certain age. And there's exclusivity to it where it's exclusive to have you actually come out and play a show, right? For sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, that even the fear of being fired. Yeah can lead some managers to not do what's in their artist's best long-term interest because they're commissioning whatever they do yeah. up front. So, you know, if you can get whatever, let's just, if, if someone's like, all right, here's $100,000 today, or they're like, or here's, you know, $20,000 a year for the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, if you're the artist, you might take that $20,000 a year for the next 10 years. If you're the manager, you're going to take that $100,000 right today that you can commission. Yeah. Um, now again, I'm not shitting on managers because yeah. there's tons of good managers. Not but all I'm the managers are in the comments right now, so they're yeah. like, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> but I just think it's an important thing to align because that fear can lead to the wrong decisions, yeah. And and then that fear can lead to the thing that might actually get them fired yeah. because they're not doing what's in their long term yeah. interest. So it is a really um, interesting dynamic, and and there's really nothing quite like being a manager. Like there's no nothing you can do to like learn how to do these things like you are it's a marriage yeah you know and so it makes sense you know what 53 percent, yeah five percent of marriages end in divorce or something come on that's Over a big 50%. number i think the number's higher than that yeah, I, was like, I mean yeah, like 53 i don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but i think i mean I'm, i've been asked to manage artists and i think yeah. you kind of take it as like do i want to be the you know the manager or do i want to take on all this responsibility where a lot of these artists today who don't have management you can tell yeah you can kind of tell because it's like Oh, let me let me talk to you. Man, I don't have a manager. And then, do you think that look is frowned upon in the industry because they don't, or it depends on how they're handling themselves as an independent artists? Yeah, I think it depends on how they're handling themselves. Yeah, um, there are definitely cases where there are artists who manage themselves and they do a better job than someone else managing them. Yeah. Um, but I think it also, you know, it's advantageous to have a solid manager yeah. rather than managing yourself because. Um, like there's so much shit you have to think about all yeah. the time. Like, you know, like it's just a lot to do. I mean, it's an overwhelming job, even if you're just a manager and you're not an artist too. So imagine being a manager and an artist. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a nine to five. Come on. <laughs> it's like, it's not a nine yeah. to five. It's 24 seven almost. 24 seven. Yeah. It's like, you get that, you know, text from whomever is making music at 3 a.m. on Saturday night. Like, all right. Like, you know, so it's, 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 it's a world with a lot of highs, high highs and low lows. Really and I tell is. a lot of artists that come here, I think when they come on the podcast and kind of tell their story, and I, I mean, I did it with Bug, with Feige, and a lot of our comic kings as well. Once the audience knows their story, they feel like they're more personable you know, with them, yeah. and they know a lot more about them. So I feel like when they do know their story, the audience kind of says, I'll do, I'll go wherever they're at. You know, if they got a concert here, they got merch here, I'm going to do it because I know their story. A lot of these artists... Are, that I've noticed are scared to tell the backstory because they don't want them to know too much. What is always like the ins and outs that you guys kind of like say, hey, you know, we want to get this story out there or to make it more relatable to the audience? You know, what's interesting is I think a lot of artists who've been doing it for a while think to themselves, you know, any sort of content that I create on social yeah. media, I need to have like a super expensive thing to create it and whatever to make this 20 second clip. Yeah. And what I would say to people and what people realize over time is that the shit that does best is the stuff that feels the most real and the most authentic. And sometimes it most organic, costs yeah. nothing to make it. Yeah. Right? It's just on your iPhone. So, you know, or whatever, Android or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's like that people's, people go through their days doing all sorts of shit they don't want to do. Yeah. Right. 
people don't like their jobs people have stresses at home yeah. trying to make money whatever Personal it is life, you know? everything whatever it is yeah so when you're on social media scrolling through like you don't want shit that just feels super professional and corporate and fake. fits into that vibe yeah it's fake. exactly like you want something that feels real and so i do think what you're seeing today is a lot of artists who are able to create core fan bases yeah that they can grow over time that can sustain them are doing that through the model of being themselves um and adding value to people's lives yeah you know it's really about that it's adding value to people's lives especially the authenticity and adding the value and i always say build up the value especially as an artist because i get your your, your story with your lyrics and everything like that too but i'm like if you don't have the content that kind of like supports what you're talking about, it kind of like you're you're forcing the audience to go find that realness right. out of you. So you guys right. dealing with artists that you deal with today and having to deal with the changing of social media and the way music is, is perceived nowadays, how are you guys saying, okay, look, if I got a song that's good with my friends, you know, if I'm, I'm good in the hood, I'm always good in the hood, yeah. but how am I going to get that on, I always say a mainstream level? Like in like in island reggae, I say for instance in island reggae, it all it sounds good to the island people all the time because it's it's accepted by the island people. Mm -hmm. Now, when you want to start getting into the mainstream eyes, into the people that's across the world that's making decisions and doing these festivals, what steps are they missing? Do you think in those aspects of the game? It's a good question. Honestly, it all does start with creating the record that the core likes the most. Yes, and that's whether it's in in that scene or it's in jamaica or wherever it is because when i look at when you look at the records that have come from jamaica yeah over the past 15 20 years that have become quote unquote mainstream people don't like the word crossed over mainstream yeah. but you know what i mean it's the taboo. Songs, yeah but like the songs that end up on top 40 radio yeah. right like gyptian hold ya yeah um omi cheerleader party animal charlie black brock off your back conscience when you when you when you think of these different songs um you know, obviously all the early Sean Paul stuff. Yeah. All these different songs, like, they all hit in the core before they did before, that. Before, yeah, exactly, before it took off. So the number one thing is, like, you got to take advantage of whatever the natural resources are got of it. your space first. And mm. think about creating the best version of what those people want yeah. to hear. I, I mean, another example is obviously Let's Do It Again yeah. with Bug, right? Like, that got to the place it got to after Yes. it was embrace at the highest level possible yeah. from its core through the rhythm and yeah. so yeah right and in and through the rhythm you can go back and it's the same thing when sean paul first broke because um the song get busy yeah was on the diwali rhythm yep and you know basically that was the most popping rhythm at the time and atlantic which had the album they wanted to go with like glue yeah um, which ended up being the next single and Sean's team was saying, no, let's go with Get Busy because this is the, is the rhythm that everyone's listening yeah, to Yeah, right this now. is what's hot right now in the streets. This is what's hot. Yeah. And so if we come in on this rhythm you know, a year later, but it's like everyone's heard these other versions and yeah. that's the same song, Wayne Wonder, No Letting Go, exactly. same rhythm. Like, you know, if we come in with that, that's where we're going to be able to go to Miami and go to New York yes. and go to Toronto and go to our core pockets. Right away so it's not diluted by the other so artists that are using these rhythms. Yeah. Right. And so you're going in and you're going to take advantage of, of, your, of your natural resources, of your scene, of your yeah. space, the DJs that are first right there. Yes. And if it pops there, then you have the opportunity to go behind. I think a lot of artists, what they do is they think, okay, well, if I get like the biggest, you know, 
uh, artists from this other space yeah. and I make an artist that fits their vibe, then I'll, and it's the poppiest version of Come myself, on. then it's going to work. Yeah. But it has to be the version of the song that your first initial ring yes. of people yes. love the most. Like it has to be that. I mean, Kali Bud's Love and Reggae, yeah. I think is a great example of that too. It's like his, it, it, it was embraced by not only like the natural resources of the space around him, yeah. but it went beyond that and it's continuing to grow because it's existing in these spaces. It's starting to be played in clubs. It's starting to be yeah. played on the streets. So I think it's interesting because, you know, your point is, well, you know, there's these island reggae songs and, and you know, in Hawaii and, and, and people think, okay, all these songs sound great and yeah. this whole thing. And I think it's like, so, you know, what can be done differently or how can it go further? And, and honestly, I just think it's, it's, it's not really about doing much different. I think it's just, it's just realizing that the best version of the, the, the song that your first ring of people are going to love more than any other song yeah is going to be the one with the biggest chance yeah. of becoming a mainstream record. Yes. And then you go out and you make the remix to go fit this other market. Exactly. You know, then, and it's even like... Speak um, on that, though. I don't like the remix part. I yeah. think is important. But like, um, a single that comes to mind is Fia, Love Me. Mm -hmm. Huge record. I mean, it was, it was like the biggest song, you know, in the Hawaiian demographic, in the Polynesian demographic. And I was like, if this had a remix with another artist, like maybe like Kali or somebody from another demographic, that it could have went further. And I, you hear that with a lot of songs that were like your favorite songs, like, oh, if it had, and this is just coming from a DJ aspect yeah. from my mind, mm -hmm. because you sit there and you're like, wait, is this going to be, you know, is it going to be the right fit? So, you know, you have friends that are in the industry to say, oh, they would sound good on this as well. Yeah. But you don't want to just sit there and throw every Tom, Dick, and Hank on the record. You want to show them that somebody strategic that's going to, okay, I don't want somebody from the same demographic because we're hitting the same audience. We want somebody that's going to reach somebody that's not there. Yeah. And I think that's when people get into the, oh, okay, they kind of sold out to that demographic. Speak on that if you have a little bit on that to add. Yeah, and honestly, it's been one of my biggest focuses over the last few years yeah. is, is creating collaborations between people that people wouldn't usually think belong yes. together. Um, and when we did the Cali Roots Rhythm, which was a rhythm that Cali Buds produced, yeah. it introduced rhythms to a lot of people who had never heard of that entire culture before. Yeah. Like a lot of the... Cali reggae, American reggae fans like don't didn't know what a rhythm was. People are commenting like, "Isn't this the same instrumental?" As exactly. The, I'm like, well, yeah. Because people don't really like the rhythms. Like, let's do it again. That major rhythm. You had Sean Paul on that rhythm. You yeah. had Taurus Riley on that yeah. rhythm. Like, people are like, "Oh, I didn't know because you're playing that one that you get behind by Bug. You're playing that in the island demo, island reggae yeah. demographic. But then you get to the reggae demographics and the Caribbean. Oh, that they, they play the one with Sean Paul. These rhythms are just kind of like." Producers put them out there, and whoever hits, hits, yeah, right? Yeah. And you can either have two that hits or one that hits, but somebody's going to hit. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> but, but you know, my point is on that is just that that first project, that first Cali Rich Rhythm yeah. 2020 was, you know, the Anthony B version, Chill Out, was the most successful Man, version. And the on. Common Kings version, There I Go, you know, these were two completely different yes. spaces. And why do you think that happened, though? Because of what because the following was, because they created dope version. Yes, <laughs> come know? on, like, tell them, Adam. Like so, so I mean, for you know, on, on one end, Anthony B. song, right? So, the lyrics and the hook, um, mixed with having his vocals over the style of production that Kali and and and, and Johnny Cosmic and yes. and these guys did. It's like so, like that. People hadn't heard his vocals over production that's Come in this on, vibe, in this really modern Talk to hybrid vibe. So, and then you take it and you say, well, what was Kali's biggest record right before that came out? Yeah. Love and Reggae. The chorus of Love and Reggae is, um, 
I just want to smoke, drink, and love my girl to some yes. reggae. The chorus of Chill Out by Anthony B is, I just want to dance and listen to some rub-a-dub, um, chill out, and, and make love to the woman yeah. I love to some reggae music. Yeah, similarity. It's, it's, it's the, the, like they're, they're saying the same yeah. thing. So, but in the Anthony B way and the Collie Buds way. But, in Anthony, but so it makes sense when Collie's fans are primed for it because it's a Collie production. Now it's familiarizing them. Now it's familiarizing them. them. And so you know that that's a space that they're going to like. And then, Come on. So, so, you know, that that makes sense, right? Yes. And so to your point about these cross-pollinating, it's like, to me, it's about doing collaborations where people might not think they fit together, but they actually do. And yeah. I think a lot of what I've been trying to get out there is like trying to bring together all these different scenes that exist. So yes. it's like, yes, we work with a lot of the biggest artists in the island reggae and yeah. the Hawaiian reggae space. We work with a lot of the biggest artists in, in Jamaica. Yeah. We work with a lot of, you know, biggest artists in, in, in Trinidad. Um, you know, it's like most people who listen to Soka yeah. in Trinidad don't also listen to, um, you know, Stick Figure yeah. and, and this space. And that group who listens to Stick Figure in this space might not be the same group who goes and listens to dance. Also, yes. these are generally thought of as different scenes. Yeah. But when you can find songs that, you know, production-wise and vibe-wise can bring these things together, and their fan bases aren't already super overlapped. Yeah. And now you're me now you're, now you're meshing it. Yeah. So the whole space is much bigger than people think. So there's this conversation about. You know, 20 years ago, the market share of reggae and dance yes. hall was much Come on, greater. Come on, speak up. This is, what I, this is my next one I want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> really? Okay. So it goes so right into it. There's this whole, like, narrative out there, right? Yeah. That, like, that the market share isn't as big as it once was. Yeah. And I don't really buy that necessarily. Yeah. Um, I think there's not as much major label interest as there once was. And there isn't as many, aren't as many songs that are going to top 40 radio um, in the traditional sense. But there's a world of seven, eight billion people now, yeah. right? And is it eight billion? I think it's eight billion. Um, and 60 or 70% of those people have access to the internet. Yeah. And um, those who don't also listen to music via radio or yeah. via, you know, sound systems on the streets or yeah. however, right? So music, everybody can be excess today in a way that it was much harder back then yeah. you needed to ship cds around you needed big marketing costs to distribute stuff now you don't so my thing is there's these individual scenes every single island in the world basically makes yeah. some version of reggae exactly you know you have the solomon islands which are outside of you know oceania and yeah. outside of australia and they've got a band we work with called dmp yeah. who are dope and they're like the biggest band in that region but they're now doing collaborations with you know, Ayaz and Anthony B yeah. and these different things. To try to cross like, over to into cross that over demographic. And yeah. Pull people in and, yep. and, and, and it sounds like it makes sense. And so when you bring all these different islands together and you bring together the, the California and American space and what they're doing and all these different spaces into one yeah. thing, well, it actually can, you know, consumption wise stream close to a lot of other genres. Yeah. So to me, it's like that conversation is missing the idea of bringing everything together yeah. around. And look, there's certain stuff that's like, most likely someone who listens to like a hardcore dance hall song isn't the same market as someone who listens to a stick figure song. Absolutely. And that's okay, Yeah. right? But there are crossover opportunities in other areas. Yeah. So it's not about being like, yo, you have to listen to this, or yo, you should listen to this. Yeah. It's like, no, everyone listen to what you want to. Yeah. But as people get exposed to tangential sounds and tangential scenes, the Venn diagram 
has more overlapping opportunity than people think. Even like, you know, um, you know, Sirius XM, No Shoes Radio, which is um, Kenny Chesney's channel. Yeah. You know, Kenny country Chesney, singer. country singer, huge country singer, this mm -hmm. whole No Shoes Nation vibe. And the kind of tagline is like reggae and country meet at the beach. Yeah. You know, people don't think of reggae and country as the same thing. But if you go to No Shoes Radio, they're playing reggae and country. And it's so huge because the similarities are so ear. Like you talk about Maoli. Maoli's another band from that. Yeah, they're, exactly. They have a country sound. Like, you know, Glenn, I talk to him all the time. I was like, but he sounds like a country singer. Yep. But because he's in the island reggae demographic, he's known as island reggae artist. But now he's going on this tour with doing like country music type, you mm -hmm. know, fusion. And I think that it goes right back to what you were talking about. It goes to where we have all these different islands. Like, and I always, and, and you kind of like prettied it up. I'm going to make it. So you have like the surfer reggae, the island reggae, the Jamaican reggae, all these different reggae. And I asked, you know, Kabaka Pyramid, I asked Grants Morgan about, you know, when Soldier won the Grammy. Yeah. Now it's kind of like saying, okay, oh, well, then it wasn't accepted with the Jamaicans that Soldier won it. And because, you know, Boog was on that album, a lot of people won from that. So yeah. how has that looked at in the industry to say, oh, how did Soldier win best reggae album? You know, and I, and I talked to Kabaka about it, who, who just won Best Reggae Album. Um, and I just talked to Grabs, and they were talking about, you know, they, they paid their dues. They did what they had to do. What's on, on being on the record label type side? What is that aspect of what you kind of see what's going on with that? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, when they won, yeah. social media from, you know, that space was going off. Going crazy, um, yeah. And there is an unfair advantage um, and an unfair disadvantage, um, you know, an unfair advantage that American bands have in the U.S. Yes. And there is an unfair disadvantage that Jamaican artists have that want to penetrate the U.S. Yes. Um, there are, you have to pay 30% of uh, what you make to the U.S. government with, withheld as an international artist. Yeah. Um, something I've been talking about recently. That's the crazy. Visa, visa prices. Yeah. They're trying to move them up. Well, just one, yeah, that too. It was go that's going up with the visas. And so you probably won't see your favorite Island artists, they can't get into the U.S. because they got to pay this visa cost now. Right. That's well, crazy. It's proposed. It's not official yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're raising that by 260%. So from $460 to $1,655. That's crazy. So, yeah. you know, and then there's, you know, all sorts of other barriers. So it's like, well, if you're trying to build, you know, if you are if you go to France, yeah. the reggae artists that are selling the most tickets in France are from France yeah. because they're in France and that's the market they're focused on building. If you go to the U.S., it's going to be American artists. Yeah. That's the artists they're focused on building. Yeah. So if you're from a island where there's three million people and the live scene isn't super popping there, yeah. like you can't just rely on that, where do you go build? Nope, you have absolutely. To all these different places. And you have to fly your whole band out and you have to yeah. fly out. Like, have to cover all these costs so there's real disadvantages and i think that is the aspect that needs to be discussed while also recognizing that yeah i mean like soja put in 25 years yeah um and it's a uh, award show that's based in the u.s yeah um and there's a process that you go by to you know win voters uh, yeah voters and, and get in network and, mm -hmm. and do this whole thing and and i think you know what's interesting too is had the situation been um, like the opposite. There was one Jamaican artist yeah. um, and four Nominees. American bands. Yeah. If there was one Jamaican and four Americans versus the other way around, the one Jamaican would have won, right? Because think about it like this, right? And I'm not comparing these people uh, in any other way except explaining the yeah. math, okay? In the 2016 Republican uh, primary, yes. Trump, you had all of these anti-Trump people and they were all splitting the vote. Yeah. 
So you had like 12, 15 people on stage and they're splitting the vote. And then you have this guy who's getting 40% and had all those guys band together at the beginning and yeah. had one anti-Trump candidate, then, you know, it's possible that Trump would have lost. Yeah. Right. But because you have one person um, that's, that's pulling together this entire audience and everyone else splitting it, he won. So yeah. it's a similar concept. If you have one American band and you have all these different features on it from within the space, oh, yeah. and it's going to... It's a numbers game at that point. Yeah. And if you're someone who's more interested in these other ones or you've worked on a couple of the other albums, yeah. it's splitting all the vote. So it's just, you know, my thing is just like, I don't know if I pissed anyone off by saying yeah. this. You know what I mean? Like, probably, yeah. right? But like, that's not... I'm not disrespecting or no, disrespecting yeah, anybody. Yeah. I'm just saying, this is how it works. Yeah, because it's the numbers game at the end of the day. And that's... Yeah. Honestly, like, yeah, you asked me, like, what, you know, before, why are you saying all this shit on social media yeah. or whatever? It's like, just, there's a way that things work. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, people are afraid. And I think that's my share. thing. I think people are afraid of the truth sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was going through your Instagram and I kind of seen, like, that's, artists kind of look at him like, oh, yeah, well, if they don't do any of that stuff, they're kind of behind the eight ball at that yeah. point. And I think you're kind of giving them game where that's when I hit you. I was like, bro, we need some of this game on the Western Conference yeah. podcast because, you know, with our island artists that watch this as well and up and coming, you know, hip hop artists that are watching this stuff as well, they need these avenues that you're kind of like giving them game on. Because, yeah, you're not even affiliated with any of these artists, but all these artists are going through the same struggles, same, you know, things that they're talking about where if they don't take heed to those, that they're going to get, they're going to fall by the wayside. And I think what you're doing now with your social media is kind of like, you, you know, everyone says the game is not to be told, but it's not to be sold. But I think on the a flip side of that, you're trying to help these artists more than you are trying to, like, not help them, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I think I think that if all of these, you know, principles of audience growth, I yeah. keep saying it that way, principles of audience growth, if people put these into effect or if they understand how to make the best A&R decision about which signal to drop and how to invest, you know, something I said is, like, you know, if you have five singles, don't yeah. go out and put, like, five grand if you're a new artist don't put five grand into five videos and be in debt to somebody yeah and then drop them and then each one gets eight thousand views maximum yeah like put out the five songs have some little short form bunch of short form content for it have different things to push it see which one is doing best and then double down on it push right? that one yeah a b test a b c d e test like come test on it all out game them up you know, adam like, game them up same, same thing with when you're creating content about yeah. your songs like if you find something that works for you um double down on that thing. Like yes. if you're going out and you're like, oh shit, what's my thing? What's my thing? What what works for me on short form vertical? Yeah, do your you research know? and do your own homework. You gotta do, do homework. it. Yeah. And your and, and your homework is is testing your own shit. It's yeah. Like, here's things that have worked for other people. Let me try eight things out. And the one that works best, let me spend more time on that. Got it. So it's just, if people have those shortcuts, you save time, money. Come on. Mental health, like everything. Because they're taking the long way now. They're taking the long, long way when they don't know that, where yeah. these are shortcuts. And it's not like in the shortcuts of the term where you're cheating on a test. These are shortcuts that are going to get you quicker to where you want to be instead of taking that long road around that everyone's kind of grew up on. You know, the old Motown labels, the yeah. old, you know, Death Row and, you know, Bad Boy labels. Now it's kind of like you're in a world now where YouTube University, social media, all this stuff are all, you know, adding to what you're going to do as an artist, where some of you guys have. This, you know, accessibility to it where you have a guy like Adam that comes from Ineffable saying, look, I'm just telling you guys what's going to be easier, in my opinion. Right. You could take what you take from it mm -hmm. or you don't, you'd have to. But if you take some of it, some of these artists will start noticing a change, mm -hmm. you know, in what they're doing. Because I see a lot of people doing the same things on social media, making the same videos. 
And it's like, guys, what, what is this? And then they send me music. Hey, can you play my song? Like, okay, you can send it to me, but you're not. You're just sending it to me, one one person. Right. Send it to numerous people mm -hmm. and see what they think. Just because I say it's not good doesn't mean that's just my opinion. And I tell a lot of these kids, you know, I don't play because I don't like this part of it. Oh, uh, you just you're mm -hmm. just being a hater. Nah, I'm telling you the real yeah. because if I don't tell you the real. Someone else is going to blow smoke up your ass, and yep. then you're really going to be behind the eight ball. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, how is somebody hitting you up to send you the song? Yes. Right? Do Come they, on, Adam. Like, <laughs> Don't let me throw. I'll flip you know? this desk over right now. <laughs> I get people sending me yeah. YouTube videos, right? right? They'll send me a YouTube link. No name of the song, no producer, none of it. Then I'd be like, hey, can you send me a little bit more information? I shouldn't, any DJ, anybody you're sending music to, shouldn't have to ask for more information. Yeah. They should have everything they need right in front of them when you send them the first time. First time is first impression. Mm -hmm. If you're a kid and you're an artist, you send me a music and you have everything I need, I'm going to look at it more than somebody who sends me a YouTube or a Spotify link. For sure. And I'm like, okay, well, what's this going on? So that just goes on where, you know, being a DJ, being, you know, a record label where these artists, they want to do it, but they don't, they're not doing it the right way. And I'm not being a hater by telling them not. And I don't think you're being a hater by sharing mm. what you're sharing. I think it's going to help them once they look and read between the bullshit they're thinking that we're giving. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think it's like, you know, what I like to say is like, I like to stay on the persistent side of annoying. Yes. Like persistent like, side of annoying. I like you that. You know, like, like I also like that too. Yeah, right, Amber. Thank you. <laughs> like, like in order to build new relationships, you know, which is a big part of what I'm doing on a week to week yes. basis, like you got to follow up with people. Yeah. Right. You want to follow up enough and in the right way that they're like, I respect this person. Maybe a little bit annoying, yeah. but like I respect it. Absolutely. Not like fuck this guy. Yeah. I'm gonna blacklist them. I'm never. You know what I mean? Like I'm never gonna see their yeah. shit again. And so it's like, how are you hitting people up? And it depends on who they are. There might be a certain way that you should hit up a DJ. There might be a certain way you should hit up a DJ in a certain market. There might yes. be a certain way you should hit up. Take notes, contact kids. Contact at Apple Music. So it's like. Like, okay, it popped into your head that you should send this song to somebody, like, and you have their phone number. Yeah. Should you text them, if you're a brand new artist, should you text them that song at 1 a.m. Yes. Tuesday night? Come on, man. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Be smart about Be it. Be smart. Right? Yeah. Because no, because if you, if like, if, if then you get that text and you're like, this, I don't need this push notification. Right exactly. It pops up on your screen and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, I don't everything's want, yeah. timing everything's strategic yep. you know what I mean Adam and you, it goes back to when to send a song how to send a song um, you know a lot of people in, in my dem in the island demographic when they send me a song I'm like okay you know what's the plan for this you know when I try to get into you know elaborating on what you want to do as an artist like I kind of look at these and it goes back to the young uh, Polynesian hip hop artists that, that I, I deal with I love island reggae I love feel good music but when a hip hop artist is talking about you know, gang banging here, stealing here. That's just something that doesn't turn me on. Right. Doesn't mean it's not going to sell somewhere else, mm -hmm. but I tell them, that, oh, I don't play that, but I'm going to be honest with these kids. You know yeah. what I mean? So is honesty sometimes not always the best policy in the, in the music <laughs> industry? Sometimes not. You got to know who you're dealing with yeah. because, look, at the end of the day, like, people are, like, these are human beings yeah. who are creating art that's usually based off of, like, some real thing that you're going through. Yeah, you that's know? the word artist. Like, yeah. and, like... You know, mental health is a really serious thing that artists deal with, that people in the business deal with. Like it's it's a it's a it's as I said, it's a it's a lot of high highs and low yeah. lows in the music business. Yeah. You know, because like these artists are experiencing um, you know, that one big show that they play and then you feel this and then you don't have another big show again yeah. or or you have this one song that got a good reaction, or you did that one social post that yeah. got a lot of likes and then the next three social posts didn't and you think you've fallen off. So And I think that's what social media does to these artists. Mm -hmm. Like 
You get a lot of, you know, people watching one video and they don't watch the next video. We can't control the algorithm. I mean, unless there's people that think they can, but I always tell artists, you can't control the algorithm. So just keep putting, constantly putting content out there. That's going to fit your brand. It's going to fit you and what you're doing with the music. If you're not constantly putting that, you get kind of dropped down by the right. wayside again right. because you're not staying on top of it. You know, I tell these kids, post every day. Like, nah, you know, I don't want to do too much because then you're not doing enough. Yeah. So I say when, you, when I say post content, it's not just anything and everything. It's content about what your brand is, content about what your music is, on what upcoming shows you have. Uh, this kid Craig, my nephew Craig, just did Rolling Loud. Nice. Um, he was a poly artist that came up, you know, up and so, coming, and he just got his shot at, at, at Rolling Loud. But that now I say, hey, now you got to do content from here on out to kind of keep your name out there sure. to everybody. Like, what do you say to somebody that's trying to get on a Cali Roots, trying to get on a Levitate, you know, music festival to say, okay, what could they do to do that to get on there? Well, the best thing you can do for these kind of festivals is to build your hard ticket history. Yes. So a lot Say it again, Adam. Build your hard ticket history. Yes. So a lot of people don't know what hard ticket history is, or they don't understand why certain bands are always on certain festivals and other ones aren't. And the reality is hard ticket history is how many tickets do you sell in a market when you're the headliner of your own show? Man. So you go in and you play. This is going to be a clip right here. Just to let you guys know. <laughs> this is going to be a, definitely a clip. So you go in and play you know, a club show that doesn't have a built-in audience. Yes. It's not like you know, we have like Tuesday night Afrobeats night yeah. or, or something like that. It's like, no, this is your show. People are going to buy tickets to your show in this market. How many tickets can you sell at what ticket price is it? Yes. And then it's like, okay, well, we have 150 hard tickets here. And then the next time you come to that market, the promoters know how much you're worth. And so you can get paid more. And if there's people looking for uh, opening slots yep. um, on tours, you can say, well, I'm worth 150 tickets in this market. And I'm worth Man. 28 in this market. The verbiage is everything. Yep. The verb tickets. They're talking to me, you're talking about tickets, you know, hard tickets. If I come to you and say, Man, I sold out my church function last week, right. we don't have those numbers. No. I, you know, I saw all my friends came to my garage the other night. Those are not the numbers we're talking about. When you're an artist and you're selling out these shows that are, being tallied up where the hard ticket count matters, that's what these artists are missing. I think just because you did a, a community show that it was sold out, that doesn't count towards your numbers, towards saying, hey, how can I get on Cali Roots? These are the numbers I have. Okay, now we're looking at the hard ticket. Now, okay, they, maybe they can come on here and be an opener. And I think that's what they're missing. Yeah, and, and, and at the same time, any festival will bring in artists that might not be worth as many yeah. tickets because they want to, like, you know, you still want to kind of, like, curate a vibe that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so you still might book stuff um, just, like, to have a really dope festival yeah. lineup. Um, but ultimately, a festival needs to sell tickets, and the best predictor of being able to sell tickets is how many tickets can the artist sell in the market. Man, the if you ain't speaking the gospel right now, Adam. You know? Come on. <laughs> That's what these festivals are all about. I mean, I get these, these kids like, oh, I mean, I'd be dope on that festival. Uh, what, what could you do for the festival as a whole, as, right. as in general? So. And and I think you know part of the part of the problem with that hard ticket game is that a lot of artists weren't taught about the hard ticket game. Yeah. And even very established artists, like 10, 15, 20 years into their career, and so they'll be like, oh no, I only do a show for this much, yeah. much money. My cost is this much money. And then without the history, without the history, yeah. because you might not be a hard. Some artists aren't really hard ticket artists. They're more. You know, they go play festivals and you have some hits and so you yeah. have value because you bring a certain thing to the festival, but you don't aren't necessarily selling tickets in that market. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I'm not going to go and build my hard ticket history, but if you go and build your hard ticket history and make, maybe make some less money in the process of doing that, yeah. later on, you'll have more worth to be able to make more money in those markets. But 
again, that and means, you're building your portfolio. And you're building your portfolio, yeah. but but that but that means sitting back and saying, you know what, I might make less money this year, and I might make less money in the next two years, but it's so that I can get in the game and basically be in a position where in three years and five years I can make Come more on. money. Now the problem is a lot of artists aren't making money from other aspects of their business so they can't go and play those proper speak shows. on the other avenues adam speak on these yeah. other avenues they should be <laughs> yeah so it's like if you are making all your money from touring because somebody else owns your masters somebody else owns um all your publishing and um you know it's, it's, you can be in a situation where someone owns your masters and your publishing because you sold it to them yeah. and you and you, you developed an asset and sold it and it can make sense and you know it totally makes sense but you can also be in a situation where like a lot of artists, a lot of the biggest songs that you know, like that artist makes zero dollars a month Man, from that song. Come on. So like if you're making zero dollars a month yeah. from the big, biggest record of your career. Then you How am I going to make money off of that? Money? Yeah. You have to go play the shows yes. to pay you the most today. If you are making money from your streaming every month and from your publishing and from your music, then you can go out and play shows where you might go lose money and tour in that market yeah. to build it over time. You can go overseas and like, it might look like there's a lot of people there, but the expenses to get overseas yeah. is expensive. So people lose money on yeah. tours, but you do that to go build that market and then go back and play bigger shows or yes. go back and, and headline after doing it as an opener. You can't do that if you don't have other income avenues. It's really difficult to do that. Yeah. How's your merch game, right? Come do you on. have a really big merch game? And is your merch focused on building a, a brand and a vibe, or are you just constantly trying to sell shit? Yeah. You know, nobody wants to log onto social media and see that all you're doing is posting flyer, that you're yeah. selling something, yep. and it's just all sales, right? But if you're giving people value a mm -hmm. lot and just kind of posting, you know, cool shit that people want to interact with and that provides value to their lives, makes yes. their lives better then it's more likely they're going to feel like they want to return the favor and have you be a part of their lives. Yep, the return ratio right there because yeah. you get them coming back to want more of what you're selling them. Fan and karma meter. Come on, the fan karma meter. Say it again. I gotta, come on, the fan, fan karma car meter is if big. I if I don't give Thomas any credit for this, he's going to be like, you said the fan karma meter and didn't give me credit again. So, so Thomas, this is Thomas from Thomas. I, want, I feel like Thomas is the first person who called it the fan karma meter yeah. to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we're gonna have to get, do gonna, our research he's on that claim one. It. But going back to the industry, we're talking about now they have the avenues of merch, and now you know these artists that are watching right now are like, okay, they're writing down all these things that we're talking about. Yeah, how are they taking advantage of their Spotify plays? There, because yeah. I get artists all the time saying, oh, well, I, I'm hot on Spotify, but not so much on Apple Music. I'm mm -hmm. so so. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the d different platforms have different growth hacking strategies. Got it. This is what we um, want. So it's it's like certain things um, might make it easier to grow on one platform. Yeah. And certain things might make it easier to grow on another platform. Now, going back to what you had to say about algorithms, right? Yes. So what it's, what's hard to control if you're a new independent artist or a developing artist is editorial placements and trying to get somebody to support your song and thinking like, if I get a playlist, then I'm then that's what's gonna you know fix everything, yeah. and I'm gonna be set. And the reality is that's not necessarily the case. You know, um, what you really want to be focuses on focused on are the things that you can actually control. So, you know, instead, you made the point about earlier about you know posting on social media every day and and kind of you know not you know, we can't control the algorithm, but we can kind of feed it, and, yeah. and we don't know what's gonna work. So, same things if you're developing if you're developing artist on streaming platforms like. 
drop consistently, not every single week, but yeah. like, you know, if you're, if, if you don't have any fans yet, then you should be dropping all the time because it's like, if you just drop an album, no one's going to yeah. listen to it. You got to build that fan base. So if you just keep dropping singles, yeah. then like, okay, someone might go and check out 30 seconds. Of yeah. It, right. And so over time, if you're dropping consistently, you know, every month or so or whatever it exactly is, then if those songs are doing well, then the DSPs are going to push them on the algorithms more. Yeah. And, you know, there is a point where it gets oversaturated because if you start dropping stuff that's not as good, then it's not going to recommend your new music as much because those people that it recommended your past music to didn't like it that much. Ah, see? So that's where the quality and the quantity, both things do matter because it's like, you got to drop consistently if you're new and have as many at bats um, to be able to get on base as possible. But if some of those at bats you're taking with like one arm, Mm -hmm. then like, it's going to. I can't keep this as a baseball analogy the whole way. Through. Yeah, right. Though. But yeah, if you if you take that, you know, if you if if one of those at bats you're taking with one arm, then basically like it's going to make it seem to the platform yeah. that like people don't like your music as yeah. much as they did in the past, and so the next release isn't going to be pushed as hard. Got it. So that's what you got to think about. And then in terms of collaborations, right? So if you're going to tap in a collaboration, and like you put all this work into it and maybe you had to pay them money. Yeah. Maybe you had to pay them in something else, you know, well, who feature, knows? Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever you got to do, whatever to get you, that feature, do yeah. um, you want to make sure that when you drop it, like you're actually tapping into their audience. Yeah. And also that like that song fits that person's audience. Yeah. You know, we talked about this a little bit before. It's like, don't just get the biggest artist on the song get the artist whose fan base is going to like the song most yes and the artist who has a big core because you could have an artist with like you know five million monthly listeners on spotify which is huge yeah and then they might have like you might go to their followers on spotify which says okay we only have thirty thousand followers yeah which is also you know legit but the other artists might have two million monthly listeners and five hundred thousand followers the artist with two million listeners monthly listeners and 500,000 followers is going to be a more worthwhile feature Man. because their audience isn't all built around probably one or two yes. or three records. Yep. So things can be inflated, you know, monthly listeners, stuff like that can be inflated based around you had that one or two or three big songs, yeah. or you were tagged as what's called a primary artist on somebody else's song. And that song was really big. Yeah. And you actually go to that person's popular tracks and it's like, okay, well all the songs are somebody else's songs. Um, and so it's inflating that number. And so yeah. maybe someone's like, oh, well, that's worth this much money for a feature or something like that. But in reality, you got to look at the other, other metrics. Yeah. Um, same thing with like social media following. It's like, well, you have to understand how things over index and under index in different markets and different platforms. So what that kind of means is like certain, um, areas around the world are more likely to listen to certain, um, use certain DSPs. Yeah. So like you could be like, well, this person gets, you know, a million streams a month on Apple Music and but they only get two thousand streams a month on Spotify. That'd exactly. be really that's probably unlikely, but yeah. you know, really Well the numbers aren't like adding that. up, yeah. Yeah. Or, or you could say, well, they have, you know, a hundred thousand monthly listeners on Spotify, but they've got like three million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. And so you'd say, Well, it sound it looks like well, let's see where this artist is from. Okay, well, they're from Jamaica and they are kind of a core artist there that's really popping in Jamaica, making these, you know, what they call choppa tunes, which yeah. is kind of like the type of songs that are really taking yep. off locally right now, which is kind of like um they call it like trap hall. Yeah. 
Um, and that's what's really hot in the streets. And like, if you go to the YouTube charts there, like that's what people are really yeah. listening to. That's what's getting that views. trap hall. Yeah. It's, it's popping. Right. And, but Spotify isn't as much of a thing in Jamaica. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily translate over there. So if someone was only looking at the numbers based around Spotify, it wouldn't really show the true work. It wouldn't resonate. Yeah, exactly. So it's just about understanding how certain platforms and numbers can over-index and under-index based off of the genre, the vibe, yeah. the location, um, all sorts of factors. Yeah. And like, what, what, like, so when we talk about the, the numbers and everything that these artists are looking at, like ineffable, like as opposed to saying have somebody as, as an independent or a major, what is independent doing for artists that majors aren't doing for artists? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say all majors versus all independents because yeah. um, there's just so many different things. Different but elements. What I would say specifically, I can speak to most is, is us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what we're focused on is specifically, you know, how do we take you from point A to point B to point C to point D? Like how, if we, if you join the squad and you're at, you know, you have a hundred thousand listeners in yeah. a month, like how do we get you to 200,000? To the next level, yeah. 000, right? Like, do I see the path to do that? Do yeah. I feel like, you know, with our network and um, our skill set and your music and your drive and all these things that if we all come together, I can see how we can, you know, really double, triple, yeah. or, you know, continue to grow your audience, right? And the other thing I look at is, do I feel like if you upload it by yourself, because here's the thing, you can upload your music by yourself to something called like DistroKid, yeah. where you pay like 50 bucks or something, like some sort of fee, and you can keep 100% of the revenue. So there are distributors out there who, will be like, all right, send me your music and I'll take 12% or 20%. Yeah, whatever the percentage is. It's like, well, what is there a value that they're adding? If they're yeah. going to pitch for placements or playlisting or they're going to provide money or, you know, there's all sorts of things that people can provide. Yeah. But if all you're trying to do is send the music and then have it be distributed to the platforms, you probably shouldn't be paying 10 or 12 yeah, or exactly. percent. You should just yeah. pay that flat fee. So I think, okay, well, whatever percentage we're asking for, do I feel like we're going to make the pie so much bigger that their slice of the pie yeah. is going to put more money in their pocket than they, if they kept 100, right? Because if we work together, we're going to need to be getting some sort of percentage of the revenue that Absolutely. you're making from your streaming. Yeah. So if we're working together and we're collecting some percentage of revenue from your streaming, I need to feel pretty confident that that's going to put more money in your pocket than if you just upload it by yourself, yeah. right? I can't be right. I'm not. You, you can't be right 100 percent of the yeah. time, right? You're not always right. You don't always win. Exactly. You you, you will lose. It's gonna be on a case to case basis. But you know, usually we're able to project pretty well, um, and make sure that those situations happen. And I think that it's about that value add. Yeah. And I think that's the value add proposition that should be the kind of general way people think about yeah. the music business. Um, it's like if 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 you can you know tell me that like okay you're going to you know multiply my value of this shoe that yeah. I'm wearing by hundred thousand from like you know if you're gonna tell me you can make oh, this yeah, shoe hundred thousand more yeah. more and you're like all right I can make this a hundred thousand times more yeah but I'm gonna ask for eighty percent of it 
I'd be like, okay, well, yeah, I can't make the shoe. Exactly. The shoe's going to only get less in value. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's just about finding the situation. Now, we don't, we would never ask for 80%. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just giving an example. Um, he so, was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the, the, a lot of the major label structure and you have to understand the business model of it and the assets that they own yeah. and how do we get to this place. So, essentially, the majors are making the overwhelming majority of their money from catalog. Yeah. So, music that's from 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 60 years ago. Yeah. And catalog music is worth more than new music because the way that uh, music assets are valued, you apply multiples to them based off of how many years of history you have yeah. on it. So if a song came out three years ago and is streaming really well, I don't know if it's going to stream well in 10 years. Exactly. Like, so it's going to, it's going to depreciate in value over time. But if you have a Bruce Springsteen song or a Whitney Houston yeah. song or Sting, or you know, you have or even Bob Marley. Bob always Marley. Le legends, always number one on exactly. Apple. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like you there that the value on that catalog, like it's like the, the it's a huge multiple that they're applying yeah. to it. So they have this huge valuable catalog, and so a lot of the focus is okay. Well, are there ways that we can continue to you know raise the value of these yeah. things that already exist? So that can be through covers or remixes or things like that, or um, TV syncs or movie plays. So. Um, and then secondarily, it's, well, let's go to TikTok. And this is the song that blew up last night. Yeah. Independently. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, usually. Come on. Independently. And TikTok's you can't predict crazy it. with that. Yeah. yeah. You can't predict it. And then once that happens, that artist and their team, if they have a team. Yeah. Because it's oftentimes exactly. they don't. It's a new thing. We'll get hit up by A&Rs at like every single major label. Yeah. And independents too. And be like, okay, you know, we're gonna give you this advance, and then do this, and we're gonna prioritize you, and all these different things, because there becomes this battle over market share. Yeah. So selling you the dream. Yeah, but, but yeah. it's selling you the dream. But the but a big reason why that it's being done is because at the end of the year, there's a pie chart that comes yeah. out and says Universal has this percentage of the pie, and Warner has this, and Sony has this, exactly. and independents have this. So they're going out, and they want to go out and pull in records that are going to increase their market share. But the songs that popped on TikTok two weeks ago oftentimes are being overvalued and overpaid for for the sake of that market share and Man. for the sake of winning. Yeah. Because in reality, if it's not a timeless record, it's not going to be listened to in five, ten years. So you it's can have for, a song at pop the time. for a month. Yeah, it's an at-the-time record. Right? Yeah. And some of the, a lot of them obviously become hits and do have timeless vibes and continue yeah. going. Um, you know, one thing I've been hammering down on socials is this um, record called People yeah. by Libyanka, which is a sick song it's and it became the biggest afrobeat song in the world yeah. and it blew up overnight on tiktok and she like posted a little clip of it and you know it's kind of going through you know her mental health issues and different things going on yeah. and said hey here's you know, a song but what i'm feeling right now and posted it and it got like millions of views overnight and there's a bidding war for it and um it went up and it was like the it was the most shazammed Afrobeat song wow. like four days after yeah. release like it was it was nuts you know yeah. and I saw it at the time and I was like I have a I took a screenshot of my phone because I was like I was seeing all the numbers like this is about to blow up yeah and I was like kind of new she had like it was five days later but she had like fifty thousand monthly listeners at wow. that time or something on Spotify and I'm like all right let me screenshot this yeah. I'm gonna send it to people I'm like remember I've told you this yep. be that annoying ass guy but um so I I did that and. I like started looking at her stuff and I'm like, well, you know, so Sony had gotten the record and Sony was the winner. Sony was the winner. Yeah. And I went and I saw on her Spotify that she had no bio in there and no social media links. Yeah. Now, if you pull up any artists, Spotify, you can very easily go into Spotify for yeah. artists, type out your bio 
And then there's a space where you can link your Instagram, Wikipedia, Come on. Twitter, all these things. And I'm like, oh my God, she is having all of this attention drawn to this song. People are hearing, not only are they discovering on TikTok, it's being Shazam. So they're yeah. hearing it in clubs, they're hearing it on radio, they're hearing it all these places. So people are going to the Spotify. And nothing's and coming quick, up. They go to the, it's, yeah, then they go to the about section and yeah. there's no wow. links or bios. And I'm like, oh no. Like, so, you know, I, 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 um, I DM'd uh, her manager. Yeah. And I was like, yo, um, I'd love to talk to you. And um, I don't have any hidden agenda. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like I was like, yo, I saw these things. So I talked to him. I did tell him at the time. And yeah. um, like, you should add these things. And uh, they didn't. And so, like, weeks later, that's why I posted this clip about it. I yeah. was like, you know, this is, a, this is the problem with the major label model because you can have this song, which now has hundreds of millions of streams. Wow. It's huge. And then they go to about and there's nothing there. They go to about and and now there's a bio as of a couple days ago, but there's no social media links. And it's because the label's focus is we we got the song. Yeah. We got it in. So now we're going to, yes, keep pushing the song. Keep pushing the song. Who knows if that artist is going to be huge in X amount of years. They don't necessarily care about that. So... You know, I just, that's why I posted it. Cause it's like, I tried on, I tried yeah. on the inside, you know, I tried why not to take advantage too. of that hype and get them familiarized with the artist. Right. Cause maybe she has something else that's going to come out. And, and if you, and if you're the artist and the major gave you this big advance and that's how you got the record and all yeah. these different things and you're not popping at that same level. Cause like to have another hit of this side, it's possible. Yeah. And I don't want, if, I it's hope, tough though, but like odds, if we're just pl- yeah. plain odds, most likely. Right. So it's like, but what you can do right now to get all these email addresses and get all these phone numbers and create yeah. contests and yeah. sell merch and make, start planting those. So seeds, many missed opportunities, you know? Yeah. And I don't, and I don't blame at all blame the artist because this is a, such an overwhelming thing that's yeah. going on. And again, the song came from a mental health yeah. situation and, and I can't imagine what someone's going through when you go from that, from all of a sudden the whole world playing your song yeah. and the manager, you know, it's like, you know, he should, he should by now know yeah. better, but at the same time, the label could easily just be like, yo, here are these kind of, you know, basic things that Come we on. go through that we checklist here quick blueprint yeah quick blueprint like yo just make sure you're doing these things yeah um but it's just not in the business model yeah. come on and i think a lot of artists that are watching this need to know that like those little things can go a long way because yeah. you never know when a song is going to hit you never know when tiktok's going to just go crazy with a viral video or something like that too for artists that's watching now and seen everything we've been talking about what advice as a kid that's coming here watching our podcast right now saying adam i'm, I'm a hungry artist what can I do to make myself better? Are you going to see what their intangibles are at that point? Yeah, I think I think there's a few things. I think one is what you just said. It's focus on all the little things. Come on. Because there are things that you can control more so than hoping that someone signs you yeah. or that someone discovers you. So focus on learning how to do all the little things. Literally go on YouTube and search how to grow on every single platform and watch the YouTube videos about it. Like it's insane what you can learn on YouTube, yeah. right? I mean, you don't want to end up like thinking the world is flat, you know, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can learn but so you can much learn from YouTube university. Uh, yes. So it's like, you know, go down those rabbit holes yeah. and learn everything you can. And then in terms of, you know, your music, you know, obviously go out there and, and be in person in as many different places as possible. Go meet people, meet other artists, meet yeah. other producers, meet other writers go and do writing sessions with yeah. other people you you provide them feedback then provide you feedback like be willing to take in feedback and not just think everything that you do is dope yeah exactly you take know, constructive, criticism. To take constructive yeah. criticism and then work you just got to work you got to work you got to work and you know it's got to be what you do yeah you know you can have you need, you need your hustle right you need to find a way to make money but 
the music element of it is not going to fund itself for no, a while, exactly. for yeah. a long time. So, you know, you need to make it your focus of all the time you can. And investing in yourself. And investing in yeah. yourself besides, you know, what you need to do to be able to live um, and invest what you have into your art and focus on planting those seeds and growing them over time and finding the right people to be around and just just keep your head up because yeah. don't take one loss so seriously. Don't take one loss so seriously. Like you never know how many losses you have you will go through before your first win. It's like Come the on. whole Michael Jordan getting rejected from the yeah. uh, you know JV yeah. basketball team or whatever. You know, it's like it's or the varsity team. It's like you don't know. So just keep swinging the bat and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep yeah. going and don't give up because you never know what that next thing is. And if you do all the fundamentals, your odds of going viral are much higher. That's the thing. The numbers are in your favor. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying don't try to go viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you want to go viral, your, <clears throat> your odds of going viral are going to be much better if you're doing all the fundamentals. Yeah. So do the fundamentals. And don't overdo it. I mean, yeah. this is all my, my, my yeah, opinion yeah. because For I sure. think forced, you know, when you're not having it organic and it's not just coming from like a good place, that look, these artists that are watching this that, that tell me all the time, you know, when are you gonna have somebody talk about you know the record business, which I got Adam here, and that's why I did it is because all those at bats, one of those, somebody gonna hit a home run. Right. And it could come from the most least play that you would least expect it from, where there's so much talent in this world. And I think, and it, it, people tell me this all the time, sometimes less people that has less talent are get more fortunate than people that have more talent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because Absolutely. they're doing other things 100%. that they're not just focusing on what the talent is at, at hand. And that's what I think a lot of you kids out there are, are focusing more. Look, I'm not saying you don't have talent. I'm saying <laughs> talent is just one aspect of it. Yeah. If you have all these other aspects of it and you're doing, you know, you're going down these rabbit holes and you're listening to Adam's posts on his Instagram, you're going to do yourself better because you're kind of making yourself better as an artist. Yeah, and I, and I think one one other thing is Finding your sound and your target audience and sticking to it. Man. That's that's a really key thing. Say that again, and Adam. Like finding your sound and your target audience yes. and sticking to it. And look, I get it. Everyone is influenced by different things. Yeah. And I'm not here to tell anybody to not make a song that's that, that feels like there's something they want yes. to get out and say at all. Right? But if you want to grow a fan base, you need to find something that they know what to expect from you and that you get better at what that is over yeah. time, right? Like you need to be in a situation where like it's it's creating a fan base. I mean, think about, you know, the example we talked about before of, of Moli. Yeah. Like he found a sound. Yep. <laughs> I mean, a sound and a yes. target audience and then you go in on that. Yes. Shit, right. All in. You know, yeah. stick figure, like finds a sound and then gets better at it yeah. every single year. He's a producer first and foremost. So he focuses on getting better at production every yep. year. So if you every single stick figure album does better than the one before, because you could go and listen to it and be like, "Yep, this is a guy who's gotten better at production." And the next album, he's going to be even better. At and production. he's learning and advancing himself every so time. It's yeah. always going to get better, but yeah. it still has the vibe yes. that people come to expect from it. Come so on. it's it's you got to have the vibe and the thing that people expect from it, but get better and better yeah. and better. Always get better because I'm telling you, your talent's gonna take you there. But if you know these little things that Adam and these gems that he's been dropping, watch the podcast again because I'm telling you, <laughs> it was definitely a joy to have you here, Adam. Man, I appreciate everything you do because follow him on Instagram right now. I'm telling you, the, his gems that he's been dropping over there is what caught my eye because we were supposed to do it at a uh, Cali Roots, but we both yeah. got, we got busy at Cali Roots. But definitely see him over there, man. Buy my man a beer next time you see him over there. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was great. Come on, man, Adam Gross. Big Body Cisco, Dos Caras Tequila, Western Conference Podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.